Before we start this episode, I would like to take a minute to tell you about the upcoming Texas Woodworking Festival, where makers and enthusiasts come together to celebrate their love for the craft. Join us for this two-day event filled with fun, creativity, and inspiration. The festival brings together lumberyards, woodworking organizations and clubs, content creators, furniture makers, and tool manufacturers for a weekend of food, drinks, and all things woodworking. This year, the festival is launching educational seminars where you'll have the opportunity to learn from some true masters of the craft, including Frank Straza, Philip Morley, Kim McIntyre, and Andrew Hunter, just to name a few. The festival will be held in Austin, Texas on August 26th and 27th. Visit TexasWoodworkingFestival.com for more information and to buy tickets. Whether you're a seasoned woodworker or just starting out, there's something for everyone at the Texas Woodworking Festival. Hi, and welcome to episode 456 of the MWA podcast. I'm Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sean, Mark, and Brian. Today, we're excited to have Rex Hansen back as our guest. Rex is a longtime friend of the show, an outstanding woodworker, and is now a graduate of the North Bennett Street School. So congratulations, and welcome back to the show, Rex. Thanks. Really happy to be here. Yeah, fantastic. And I can't wait. You know, Rex has always given us a semester by semester uh, review of what he's been up to at North Bennett Street School. So um, this will be his last North Bennett Street review, but probably not the last time he's going to be on the show. Probably not. Probably not. We're going to go to school next, Rex. Yeah, what's next? Yeah. (laughs) College of Redwoods. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, I'm, taking, little, I'm taking some coast. classes at mark adams so you know you need 10 classes plus a two-week internship there and uh this will be my second class at mark adams coming up oh okay you're gonna have you like need, a phd in woodworking just taking classes over and over seriously again. Well, not over and over again just class after class after class well the field is so wide and diverse i mean i i figured if i did nothing but take class from chair makers i could be busy full-time all the rest of my life mm-hmm. I'll make it exactly out. right i mean i know mark's got another chair class that he just came out with and that looks pretty fun and uh mm-hmm. i can just i mean mark just keeps adding to his repertoire david doryard keeps adding to his so mm-hmm. you know and pete's always pete's now got his that chair that he started teaching a class on so there's always a lot of chair classes out there to take and making chairs is a lot of fun Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear how your experience is now being a graduate of North Bennett Street. And you know, you you might be the most scholarly experienced student in that class and how your experience is compared to what you might see around you or, you know, because usually those classes are a wide variety of skill levels. Yours arguably is probably pretty high, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of dabbled with a lot of pen <laughs> and spoon carving before school. I made one case piece. Before I came to North Bennett, and it was just a one of those benches that you can sit on that has three cubbies under it. But I used it was all mortise and tenon joinery, so it was a pretty good piece. I there was only a little bit I would change, having gone to North Bennett, if I was to do it again. But I don't know. I I uh, I found out a lot of these classes. Like I this last semester, I've taken a couple classes from Dan Faya up in his shop in New Hampshire, and. Um, a couple of the folks that took classes with me, they were pretty, they weren't a graduate in North Bennett, but their woodworking skills were such that Dan said, geez, you guys really ought to, really ought to look at you two guys for membership in the New Hampshire Furniture Masters. And that's, wow. that's not, that's not a light, light thing. Yeah. Wow. And very uh, cool. Mike was one of them. I think his last name's Vogel. He's on Instagram. He, um, 
car when we, we were carving these um, Chippendale type plates, you know, like a pie a pie pressed plate plate. So instead of doing the whole table, which is very repetitive, we just did these little plates that Dan had prepped for us, and we carved those. And it was lo and Dan's such a good teacher and breaks it down so nicely; it's very doable. So then Mike goes home and he decides, well, I need a table, so he carves another one that's much bigger, and he just posted that the other day, and it was just gorgeous. So uh, there's a lot of talent out there, yeah. hidden. Yeah, yeah. No, my, Mike's definitely on our list to uh, to have on. He's he's very good. And plus, he has two shops. He does. The other thing, yeah. I'm, every, time, every time I find some new chair maker, I go, okay, this guy's really good. And then I notice, I look up there and it says, followed by. He has a type. I don't know how you keep track of them, but I've yet to find a new new a chair maker that you're not already following. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure there I'm sure there are some out there. I, I stumbled across a couple uh, last week that it's like, okay, interesting. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, before we talk more, Rex, let's uh, dip our toes in the woodworking news. So um, first up, uh, Lost Art Press or and crucible i guess have the redneck pencil gauge and uh this is kind of an interesting um pencil gauge i think the uh, most of it is made by marples and uh, and i think chris has bought like 200 of the marples and got their permission to do some modifications so he can make it into more of a chair makers uh, gauge because i think the original one is like your typical pen gauge and this one's uh bored out for a pencil and it looks like a redneck pencil gauge but it's pretty cool it's <laughs> when, but when he first posted this i thought hey that looks like something that was worked but i thought it was something that he cobbled together i didn't think it was something he was going to sell <laughs> Yeah, so I thought is it was a, a joke, like, oh, this yeah. is something I made. It's coming mm. soon to the store. Ha, ha, ha. No, not a joke. I, I swear joke. that that metal piece, uh, the, the bumper conduit. offset, it, it's, well, it looks like a coaxial yeah. a cable yeah, clamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. said he got it from the kennel industry, so it's probably used in oh, kennels wire, or something. Wire, wire oh, kennels, yeah. wire holding, yeah. Mm. Like yeah, the, something like that, yeah. Mm. So Very uh, interesting. I mean, I... I it, it it look I mean really it's not so much the metal but the yellow knob that makes it look like it's kind of just like together from like whatever kid, yeah. kids toys you had laying around oh that'll work you know just you know kind of ingenuity you know, these are yeah. these are just tinker yeah. toy parts that he's put yeah together. yeah but yeah, I mean exactly. it's a I mean, it'll work I yeah. I yeah. you know and and for the for the price if you want to own a a crucible tool this is the bottom price that you're gonna pay for one I yes. guarantee it. Yes, it, it is only $37. And for our listeners, the little uh, kennel piece we're talking about is like two half-circle bumps on the face of this uh, uh, marking gauge. And uh, that helps you uh, 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 use a marking gauge around curves, both uh, mm -hmm. outside yeah. mainly and also inside, too, if it's not too yeah. too uh, tight. So, yeah. yeah. It becomes your reference surface. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's not, it is not a precision tool. I'll say that. It's more of a scoot it up to match what you need and then do it it's gonna be hard to set it up with the tape measure it's gonna be hard to set it up with a ruler because of the guiding yeah. surfaces but uh, definitely for certain purposes chair making you know mm -hmm. it sounds like it's it, it's gonna work right it's a good enough gauge it's you know, good it doesn't enough. have a knife so you, you you're not really using it for joinery yeah. anyways you know? right so this that, is marking out pencil pencil work yeah, yeah. resawing yeah. be really good for just you know basic offsets that sort of thing 
The best way yeah, I can well, describe it, it looks like it was made by things you would find under the bench when you're sweeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Punks of wood, some metal, pencil. Absolutely. But it, yeah. it, you're right. It would do, especially if, if you're when you're laying out like your arm bow or something and you're trying to get it down. You, know, you got one. Yeah, or a spindle flat. deck yeah, or something. something. Like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've taught a lot of people how to use what I call the finger gauge. And it's not my term. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it in North mm-hmm. Bennett. Yeah. When I out there, that's what they called it. And I heard it at Mark Adams. I've heard it other places at Woodcraft, finger gauge. And I've tried people, every once in a while, you come across someone who it just does not quite register. They just can't do it. And then some people have long fingernails. You know, some people have longer fingernails and they can't do it very well. This thing would be the solution to their problem. Yep, exactly. It would. Now, when Chris first posted this, like I said, I thought it was something. And I went... So is that beam made out of uh, off-the-shelf molding? You know, as <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you know, it looks like pull around, right? Pull yeah, nose. pull nose. Yeah, pull nose. And so, anyway, but um, like I said, it, it looks interesting, and at thirty-seven bucks, um, yeah. If I didn't have something that that it's virtually the same, um, I'd probably pick one up just for uh, if nothing else. It looks it looks useful and um, very colorful too. This is your that'd be a good gauge for your kids to use. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Friendly kids gauge. Yeah. Well, moving on, not to be outdone, uh, Lost Art Press also had a blog post uh, about, and the blog post is titled "Comparing Carver Vices." So, um, Chris has been on a, um, I guess, a quest about finding some uh, good vices that can raise your work above the bench, and he's been uh, looking at Carver vices for. N- for, I don't know, at least a couple of years. And I know he's been using one for at least a couple of years. But uh, he recently did a comparison between uh, the cheap one you can get from Grizzly for, at the time he posted, it was like about 130 bucks, And yep. a little bit more expensive one you can get from Stumac for Luthiers that uh, supposedly has a couple of features um, that are a little bit different than the one from Grizzly. And he kind of goes in the, you know, pros and cons of each and which he recommends. And yes, it is a cheaper one from Grizzly. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the article is well worth your read. If you're looking for, you know, advice, um, you know, if you looked at the high vice from uh, uh, Benchcrafted and said, yeah, that's really nice, but just a little too much money, this might be something you should look at. So, and the one thing it has over, I guess, the high vice, if you look at it as a feature, is it can swivel. So mm. that that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I think I might buy one of these to keep in the shop during classes, so that mm-hmm. uh, when the horses are all tied up, I can work on chairs or something. With you know, there's times when the students are just kind of doing their own thing, right? Um, and I, I I messed around with using a, a leg vice to make to shape parts and. It works for longer stuff. It's a little mm. more challenging for shorter stuff. So this would work really well for that. And I want to, I want to see how it works. Yeah. And they're they're on sale right now. So exactly, get <laughs> them while they're hot. Yeah. You have to drive up to Springfield and. Oh yeah, you up. can actually go pick one up. You don't have to. So pay we for we have a, a not to hijack the news, but we have a woodworking. This is news. We have a woodworking guild in Springfield now. Oh and really? So, yeah, and Grizzly is letting us meet there. So we we show up right before they close on Thursday you know, one, once a month and, uh, it's, it's working their goal of getting me in the store to buy things before the meeting is working because (laughs) one month it's a bandsaw blade and then we'll have to return a bandsaw blade and then it's going to be a carver's vice. And so, yeah, they, they, their little, their little ploy to get me to spend money has, has, is working out for them. 
I'm sure it's paying the rent on the on the mm -hmm. light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh and didn't you just recently buy a drill press? Was it one of theirs? I did not get the Grizzly drill press. I okay. I heard so when I bought the drill press, I wanted to be able to, you know, recommend it, I guess, if I liked it. Mm -hmm. And um, every review that I read about the Grizzlies was that, oh, the drill press would be great if it wasn't completely destroyed in shipping. Oh, okay. And, oh. and, and I've seen that with their stuff. Mm. Um, so, you know, and I'm not going to buy from Grizzly and have it shipped. I'm going to go and get it. So I bought the Wen mm. instead. And uh, I, I do like it. It's, it's just fine for a drill mm. press. It's got, a, you know, it's got an acceptable, we, I mean, we tested the run out on it. It has a little run out, but I mean, it's woodworking. So Mm -hmm. uh, shouldn't worry too much about that sort of thing but um yeah i mean it went together easily actually one of my students showed up a day early and he's like i'll put that together for you and so he just it was really easy to put together it's like it practically assembled itself <laughs> so, but uh but yeah i was uh happy with the win oh cool well there's another recommendation for you so the wind drill yeah. now that's a bench top yes or, it's yeah. the biggest bench top one that they make you could get by with the smaller one mm -hmm. but uh if you're going to be building the the bog style Berea ladderbacks, um, the rake on the rear and the splay on the rear legs is is so pronounced that when you're drilling the three mortises for the side rungs, mm -hmm. you need a lot of quill travel to be able to drill the top one and the bottom one without having to reset the table. Okay, gotcha. So yeah. you know, we kind of measure. I looked at my jigs and I measured like, okay, what's the difference between the bottom of this hole and the bottom of that hole? I'm sorry, mortise. Forgive me, Jeff. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I have one of these days. I'll edit together a collection of uh, mort whole mortise cor corrections that he made while I was in his shop. Because every time I said "hole," he's like "mortise," "hole," "mortise," hole, "mortise." <laughs> and so it was. There's like 50 of them. <clears throat> but um, and I still do it now. But uh, you know, I, I measured the difference between the bottom of the two mortises and uh, found out that 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 bigger one would make it without having to reset the table. And I hate changing setups, so. Uh, mm -hmm. For an extra, I don't know, fifty dollars or something. Uh, I figured I'd buy the bigger one. Yeah, but yeah, it drilled just fine. Nice. Well, cool. Nice. I guess I should get an affiliate link together, and <laughs> you probably you probably should. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, it'll be up. It'll be up by the time this this airs. So go to my website <laughs> and use my link. Give me a dollar. Okay, send me the <laughs> link and I'll put it into the uh, show notes. Oh wait, description. I have to set up an affiliate program first. Darn it. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. Man, man. Wait, wait to buy your drill press, everybody. Don't. I'll let you know when it's okay. Yes. <laughs> well, moving right along, um, the woodworking news would not be complete without a stop at Woodpeckers, and we have two stops this time. All right. Yes. Uh, first up, um, the better of the two uh, is the Universal Clamp Bridges. So these are little plastic things that they have. Um, uh, made that goes over your clamp so it's kind of hard to describe without seeing it but if you imagine parallel clamps and you're clamping up a box and you want to clamp from uh all well three sides uh right left and up and down uh you will need some some sort of way to bridge the bar of the opposing clamp so these little plastic pieces fit over the bar so you can actually put your clamp head on that plastic piece and uh, bring everything into square and even with me describing it like that it's probably confusing so just go to our uh, description and click on the universal clamp bridges um, they're pretty cool though 
Yeah, they are. I mean, yeah. I've definitely I've, I've thought of something like this when when doing those kind of clamping yeah. scenarios. It, it does make sense. Um, you have to clamp a little wider. These things are like feet to basically allow you to reach over an opposing clamp that's already yeah. barred barred in there. And ah, that's know, very put. yeah, yeah that's, pipe pipe like clamp that. bar clamp. You know, it it is just a little bridge for that, mm -hmm. so that you don't have to be so strategic or, frankly, not putting the pressure where you want it to be. Mm -hmm. because you're avoiding those and i've done that for sure where i've got the mm -hmm. the major dimension clamped down but now i want to go perpendicular to that and i've got it swung lower because those things are in the way and i can't actually get the pressure at the corner so i'm potentially if you squeeze too hard you're bowing that piece you know in the in, in, there's there's scenarios so yeah like you kyle said, said this i think this is a really good idea yeah you know um, as so, long as I that think, plastic is strong you know we talked yeah, about clamps I, I was, holding like hundreds of pounds of pressure i don't know what these mean to the stand yeah, that's what I was looking at. It's definitely something you could make, but even if you made it out of wood, you're going to be... Oh, you, it would shatter. Yeah, it would probably <laughs> shatter or crack, or you'd have to be well, real strategic gonna... about the grain direction and what types of wood you made it out of. So, yeah, I can yeah, I can see where this this work. And by the way, next time I'm trying to describe something, I'm just going to say, hey, Sean, describe this for me, please. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, have, I have a three-dimensional mind. I can't help it. <laughs> If you were to make a piece, you know, make these things yourself, you're, you're, they're just going to get thrown away or swept right. on the bench. Or this is where the bright red woodpeckers gear does come yep. in handy. So and yeah, it's not, this it's is not clever. aluminum. In this point. I don't. I mean, I don't think I would have um, ever thought to stop and make something like this. I mm -hmm. would have just put the clamps wherever I could get them. And yeah, right. but you know, to be honest, I haven't clamped anything like this in so long. I mean, it's either draw bores or mm -hmm. or a mortise intent, you know, like, yeah, this is rocks. definitely for like casework type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah. I mean, it's one, it's kind of like, um, Oh, the little nine by nine grids that you drop your Bessie bar clamps into, keep them from flopping over when you're mm -hmm. in an assembly. Like those little mm -hmm. things are, they're not that big a deal, but they're for very handy when you make them. So. Yep. That's what I bought. I bought a set of the jet clamp, jet, you know, parallel clamps. That was like a cabinet makers thing. It was like a two twenty fours and two forty eights. And they doors. came with these little, yeah, they came with these pucks that have cross grooves in them for the yeah. bars to sit into. <laughs> I've never used them, but perfect. yeah, me either. I you have know, the same set. You know, I've never yeah, used but, them either. <laughs> but like, I get it. And should I ever yeah. be making a, a door? Yes, I'd probably do that because yeah, it I, elevates and holds them parallel. No, right? no. Here, here's what here's what would happen to me. I know exactly where they are. They're stored in a special cabinet, and I would. <laughs> find some workaround to get everything done and then you know like you know oh. a week later run across these and go why didn't i use these well no i <laughs> we use those on hundreds and hundreds of doors yeah and they 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 keep the the wood up off of the ridged edges of the clamps mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. extremely helpful they let you stack clamps in two different directions without you know without having to worry about the bars i mean they they were you know, it was every, I don't know if it cost any more to buy them as part of that four, you know, four I don't think kit, so. I don't remember. If, but... if it had been more, I, w I would have, ha after using them, would have happily paid it because, right. uh, yeah, they're, they're, so this is on the order of that level of utility. Like it's, yeah. um, you, you could do this on your own and I don't think it would be that, that hard, but, um, but yeah, this is probably, this is kind of a smart thing. It, the I only know. drawback, and Kyle kind of mentioned it, that if you have something like this, you know where it's going to go, it's going to be stored in some cabinet that you forget about between uses, unless you're doing it all the time. And buying these in the 12 or 24 pack variety, that takes up a fair amount of space somewhere. Yeah. yeah. When you're not yeah. using them and how 
again, depending, if you want to adorn your walls with with woodpeckers red, go ahead and find some way to mounties creatively, you know, <laughs> in arm's reach. But otherwise, that would be the only kind of drawback is like, eh, you know, I don't know about having a 12 pack of them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, I thinking I of clamping scenarios. Yeah. I mean, they show there, there is a two, a, a, like a two cubby cabinet, you know, that they're shown clamped up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 12 clamps on it. 12, 12, 12. 12. Six 12. On each face. Yeah. That's the 12 yeah, pack. I, I, could see, I could see using four of those, the ones in the middle, the yeah. divider. Yeah. The right. ones on the yeah. ends are just not, I don't see the use, but right. You know they're trying to sell twelve, so exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, they, they they make a case. It, you know, it all depends. Like everything they do, I think there's a very specific use case or a general use case. Oh, yeah. This is pretty general, where it would benefit a lot of people um, for not a terrible price. I mean, they're they're plastic. They're not these. It's, yeah. it's less than fifty bucks for a twelve pack of these things. I mean, yes. Yeah, it's for forty. Yeah, forty bucks in the introductory offer. Yeah, for yeah. Twelve back, which is like three dollars thirty-three cents. A oh, you did the math. Yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, that's that's not unreasonable at all. Yeah, it's not. Not that's at all. Not, yeah. Let's not fail to mention that these were developed by Tom Del Vecchio. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh. Which I just I, discovered. That, that case get that twenty-four pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his cut is, but you're supporting Tom. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, moving on to Woodpeckers, Woodpeckers has a one-time tool called the Straddle Square. So this is a layout tool that basically is kind of like a saddle square, except it straddles your wood. So you can it's mark three sides in one quick step and uh, has a little spring-loaded dilly whopper. So it uh, basically the whole clamp is spring-loaded. So it you know you can secure it real quick and easy onto your wood and it stays put but it still allows you to uh, adjust just a little bit. And um, it's kind of an interesting idea. I don't know why you couldn't you just use a regular saddle square. Yeah. Um, and it's really expensive. So I think, I think the expensive <laughs> is them machining that nice OG profile on the edges yeah. that I don't know. Oh, yeah. Does it have to be thinner at the where you're going to draw your pencil than the? I mean, if it's straight, it's I would straight want it up. thicker. I would want it to be big and chunky and have a huge reference surface. Yeah, I yep. guess. Yeah, I mean, because you're going to angle your your very fine pencil into the joint of that. So yeah, I mean, just have it. I, I don't know. Yeah, oh, I'm more... shaving this with my knife left and right. <laughs> okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. No, and in that case, yes, get a taller reference surface. Absolutely. Yeah. So yep. I think that's it. I mean, they spent machining hours that cost more just to put that curvy detail. Yep. On the side. It's like a it's like a, a piece of baseboard OG. There's profile. there's finger divots too on the on the two wings. Those are those are important. Only on the big one. Yeah, you don't want your fingers slipping off when you're squeezing that, that post. Because yeah. when you when you your thumb slips off the screw, it becomes a projectile. Yep. Or the spring and it's just shooting across uh, aluminum bends. Oh boy. We yep. got problems. You got burrs, you got all kinds of yeah. 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 Then you yeah, can't polish them out because it won't be square. I mean, it's. it's <laughs> I'll stick. All right, forget it. I'm, I'm not buying this. I give up. I'm sticking with my Sterling Toolworks saddle yeah, square. Me yep. too. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Or just you know a square. I I do yep. have a woodpecker's tiny little what is, what's their small square yep. that I've used for you like chisel chisel references. I, is that it? I don't know. It's like it's no longer than two inches they, in any one direction. Yeah. They talked about that in the on the uh, the clamp straddler thingies. There, those are. He he created the Del V square, which I think is also a woodpecker's oh, tool. Oh, no idea. All right, a tiny little. Yeah, it's just a little guy. Square. I mean, it 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 is. It's a ninety degree square, and for it works best for re referencing chisel sharpening. 
Oh yeah. Or blade yeah. sharpening. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, that I little one guy. of those. But the so, uh, but I've used that for purposes like this. I can lay that on the corner and draw a square line. It's not the best, hugest reference surface, but it, it works. Yep. It'll work. Yeah. And it so, was cheaper than 90 bucks. Yeah. These uh, these start out, they have a small one that's 60 bucks. It goes up to three quarters of an inch thick stock. And then they have one that goes up to one and three quarters inch stock. And that one's $90. Or you can get both of them for $140. I just don't see the value proposition there. So anyway, mm -hmm. it's we're still waiting for that sponsorship woodpeckers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> In that case, up. go, go big red. Um, but <laughs> MWA one time tool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fully expect to be punched in the face by somebody at Handworks when we're all standing around. <laughs> like, oh, hi, guys. Boom. walk up and just knock me down. <laughs> and I will have deserved it. I mean, yeah. every single bit of it, but you know, it's fun. We're having oh, fun. Wait. it's all in good fun. I yep. understand. Yep. I hope they yep. understand. Yeah. Yep. Remember, wear, bring, a, bring a t shirt to go over your other t shirt. <laughs> I don't have an MWA shirt. Are we are we getting shirts? We should get shirts. I got, okay, we, 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 we got the art. I have the artwork. Yeah, we should I just get well, I mean, I just wrote a whole chapter in a book on on uh merch and mm -hmm. what's good merch and what's bad merch. So we need some good merch. We need to Yeah, we need good merch. That involves not putting our logo on the front of the shirt. It means making something else that people want to wear that isn't just the logo. So Yeah. So yeah. The, you we not we may not be able to use your art. Unless it's something else. Well, we could just use the. Um, we, we don't have to use the whole artwork, just part of it. But anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll, okay. Well, we'll take this offline and we'll discuss. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, because uh, you know uh, we ought to have some merch to at least sell to you know some folks. Somebody. Well, we buy we need shirts with the logo on it so people know. That's mm -hmm. that's a good, yeah. you know that's yeah. for us. That's yeah. a, that's our. But we we need something else like something that really embodies the modern woodworker stickers. Yeah. Yeah, makes them feel <laughs> yep. a part of something. Yeah, I have stickers. I'll be bringing stickers. So there you yes. go. Yes. Um, well, with that said, let's move on to our patron shout out. So who do we have to thank this week? Well, we know we always like to give a big thank thanks uh, to our Patreon supporters tonight. Today, we are giving a big shout out to Katie Thompson. Thank yes. you, Katie, for supporting us. We love Katie. Uh, and if you would like to, to help Katie in supporting the MWA podcast, go to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. Yes. And yes. check back. Katie was on a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm. By few, it's probably like 10 or so. Yeah. <laughs> it goes quick. Thank it you, Katie. Quick. But thanks, Katie. Well, let's move on to what's in the shop. So, uh, Mark, what are you working on? What are you selling? Oh, what are you building? <laughs> okay. So, uh, how long was it just last week that we recorded? Yes, it was just last week, and things uh, have changed. So uh, this week, I launched the student store for the Bria Ladderback project. So um, my remote students can now buy pre-bent parts kits or rough parts kits and all kinds of materials for uh, for their jigs and forms. And so that, that should be online for the general public by the time this airs. So if you're mm -hmm. looking for you know a complete set of parts, rough parts or bent parts to make a, a ladder back chair. You can find those at uh, joineffort.net slash, just go to slash BLP. That'll get you there. Um, the, my, uh, let's see, what else? My son, I made him a staked chair long time ago and uh, it was taller than normal. So he'd have a chair where he could sit at the table and we've been cutting an, an inch of it at a time off the legs. 
as he gets taller, the chair gets shorter. Oh, that's and, fantastic. I like yeah, that idea. And yeah. finally, like a month, well, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I, I cut mm -hmm. the legs for the last time. It was regular height. I matched it up to another chair at the table. And we were playing a game at our dining room table, and he snapped the back off the chair. <laughs> he, he, he was like he had a he had his foot in there and he like twisted his body and so now um the the lesson in here is not that your kid can break your chairs it's that silver maple is not great for half inch diameter uh tenons on a mm. on the back of a chair so um so i brought it out to the shop and cut the rest of it off and so now he's got a stool a little four-legged stool <laughs> um very very stylish uh stool but um I was taking it. He's doing summer school, which is really just, you know, camp at school. But um, I said, hey, buddy, um, do you want to help me make your new your next chair? And he's like, sure. And, and I, he's, you know, so I'm just going to make a new one of the ones that I broke. I said, no, let's make a ladder back chair. Let's make one of the chairs that I'm teaching right now. And he's like, great. And I said, uh, you know, when do you want to get started? He's like, how about today? <laughs> like, so he, uh, he came home yesterday and we spent 20 minutes. He started on his practice leg. Okay. Um, and uh, here, son, gonna... watch these videos. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got the whole well, thing. you know, like, uh, so I'm, I'm in here, like teaching the class yeah. to him. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, I need to record this because mm -hmm. if I can explain it to a nine-year-old with, you know, with attention issues, yeah. um, hopefully everybody else should be able to get it too. And mm -hmm. so we, we set a minimum time limit of 20 minutes and a maximum of 30 that we'll spend each day mm -hmm. working on the chair. And uh, like today we, we got 20 minutes in, he was uh, doing some spoke shave work and uh, the timer went off and he's like, Holy cow, that was 20 minutes already. And I said, yeah, man, it's, it's fun. So that, that is the, you know, the fun that I'm having right now in my shop. My kid is just like, just hit that spot. Mm -hmm. And happened to have broken his chair, uh, where he's like, "Yeah, let's do this." So I'm pretty pumped up about that. Oh, oh that is awesome. that is cool. That's cool. Yeah, you you have your own uh, apprentice, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I he's the shop's always been here. Mm -hmm. He just hasn't really been all that interested. But now, you know, I think because it's his chair, uh, you know, not just he loves to come out here when it's Pinewood Derby time. Yeah, and, and work on his car. But he he usually wants to do something that's so weird and out there that it's you know it's, it's really hard for him to do it on his own mm -hmm. but this chair i think you know like there'll be lots of stuff that i end up doing but um there's no rush you know he doesn't have to finish it in any by any particular time and if it, you know if he can only shape two facets in 20 minutes that's fine you know it's not a not a big deal so so yeah it's um i'm, I'm looking forward to the next i don't know two years where we build this chair we'll see how long it takes 20 minutes a day but uh the other thing that i was uh, that i was trying to remember that i couldn't remember is that i launched a new class this week so um we spoke about it last week uh kim from uh singapore yep. he's coming in and, yeah. yep yeah and he's coming uh, chairman kim is his uh instagram yeah it's chairman kim, not not yeah 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 that's right that's right yeah yeah he's a great so he's dude. Gonna, good follow yeah, too gonna, yeah he, oh, he's, he's, he's really been fun to kind of get this thing together and plan with. And, um, he's going to fly out and we're going to do a class with, uh, six students. We're going to build his modern, uh, dining chair with a rattan seat. And so it's going to be a five day class here between, let's see, October 30th through November 3rd. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got, uh, we sold one within five minutes of listing the class. So that was cool to see. Um, 
it's actually going to be uh, Jeff Lefkowitz. So he's he's coming out to take the class. So you'll have three chair instructors in class, one of which is a student but knows a whole lot about chair making. Um, and um, by the time this airs, I will have announced uh, another class at Handworks. So I'm going to be teaching a like a mudroom stool, a post and rung, really great introduction to post and rung construction. Uh, and I'm going to be teaching it on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after Handworks. And so I'm going to be there at the Amanda Furniture Company teaching that class. So that'll be, that's $800 for Cherry. Walnut will be a little bit more. And uh, like I, said, I think I mentioned before, if you have a shave horse and you want to bring it, I'll give you a little discount. So that's, that's not a big list of stuff, right? No, no, that's no, good. That's good. <laughs> so Sean, what are you working on? Not much. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> how's how's the bougie? How's the bougie grass seed? Oh yeah, bougie grass seeds uh, <laughs> growing good. Um, the 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 section I I planted uh, day after Memorial Day is looking very good. Young young and bright green, but um, kind of starting to fill in nicely. It's it's still being real cut, um, but I'm real cutting it at two and a half inches now. So I'm trying to. Let it let it grow roots and not try to stress it by cutting it too low. Um, I did last Friday, Friday, yeah, planted another um, roughly five thousand square feet to kind of oh, add more of the yard. And so I've got hoses and sprinklers all over my yard trying to grow that. No sign of life yet. Um, keeping the other stuff, the other things that are growing in the area at bay, and soon I'll be treating that for. Uh, pre and post emergence with a with a herbicide but um yeah fun stuff but bougie grass doing well my front grass my bougie front grass got mm -hmm. stressed out and i'm trying to figure out why in the shade perfectly fine but the stuff that's 100 percent sun not happy and we we went through a, a hell of a stretch of dry mm -hmm. hot and we're going back into more hot except it's going to be humid it won't be the same um, so I'm playing with like like timing and sprinklers and stuff, trying to trying to get enough water down just to see if that's the only thing, or or maybe give it something else. I actually picked up a product I, I've never used before called Hydrotain, which is supposed to allow the soil to hold more moisture. It's a liquid that you add, but it's mm -hmm. somehow supposed to help help uh, not need as much water for the the roots. So Brian, no, how about no. you? Bring us <laughs> no, back. No. Bring us back yeah. to to the planet Earth here. Come on. So my, my indecision, uh, my, my inability to make a decision is haunting me in the garden. Um, mm. it's, it's growing great. Actually, uh, we have the same guy that's been fertilizing our lawn for years now. And he, he, they came by today and he left me a note. It says, hey, the, the garden looks great. But I've changed the layout of the tractor shed that I want to build three times now. <laughs> I keep Pinterest is like the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. Because mm. <laughs> you go on Pinterest, you see, oh, that, that, that's a great idea. Part of my issue is I'm very close to the property line if I want to make this wide enough to do what I want it to do. So it may not be within code, but then again, it's it's who's going to say, hey, you can't build that there. But my, my go up. Yeah. you have an HOA? No. Oh, nice. Neighbor? Nice. Yeah, neighbor. Uh, neighbor well, I have, well, I have a, actually, there's a golf course right behind me. And He's so, that's the property line? Yeah. Well, oh, no, I, don't worry about it. Who cares? Yeah, the, the more you put up, it protects you from stray balls. Yes. Yeah, well, actually, I have to. I was going to put glass on the one side, and I realized, no. 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 Um, no. You can, I mean, you could buy impact glass. Actually, that's what my neighbor had to put in this one side of his house because he's just the way he's oriented. He, he, get, he gets a lot of balls. But 
Um, so my, you know, I'm going to go like a traditional, almost like a lean to that's closed in on two sides. Uh, that way I can pull the tractor straight in and then bring uh, tractor implements into the uh, kind of like straight in to get them out of the, out of the rain and everything. And yep. I think I'll have enough room in the, up in the gables to put some lumber. Uh, right now I actually rent a garage around the block for one of my neighbors. She's got this like, five car garage and I have a lot of wood over there and I got the hunts sooner or later. She's going to throw me out. So I got to be able to put, you know, my, my shop's not that big in the house. So I need to be able to put some of this stuff outside, but that, uh, that lean to up high in the lean to is a good place to store some air dried stuff too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, out of the, keep it out of the weather. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's the big thing I got to get finished. And then, uh, I got to jump into the, in the house in the house projects and get them going. Uh, show, show me some, some pencil drawings or whatever on that, on that shed. I, sure. I, um, I'm a former framer and I built something and I'm thinking about putting a lean-to on mine too. If you don't mind, you can bounce some ideas if it helps. Oh, yeah, he's yeah a, sure. He's a 3D thinker too. So that's, that's true. true. Yeah. He's that's set right. you up. Uh, other proven. than that, that is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, I'm just trying to get out of funk in the shop. Like I, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to get finished. So um, I'm trying to force myself to get in there for like 20 minutes a day, even if it's just moving some stuff around and organizing you know, a lot of the stuff I took out of the garage, like the power cord reels and stuff, I put them up in the shop and uh, trying to get set up. And I'm looking at some of the tools that I own that I haven't touched since I moved in eight years ago. Like, so I'm going to probably thin some stuff out. Um, and I have an old Delta drill press that was gifted to me by my old uh, boss six, seven years ago. It's from the 1940s. Uh, it came out of, a, out of a Navy shop, apparently. And uh, I want to fully restore it, you know, take it totally apart, break it down paint it, put it back together. Uh, so that's that's one thing I've been trying to get to for quite some time, but just trying to get out of the funk. You know, I, actually, I want to get started on another chair. Um, I want to build one of Burn Chanley's. It's uh, 41. I forget, I forget what the model. Um, his, so his, his famous one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does that yeah, curve stretchers on the bottom? I really like those chairs. Yes. Yep. The, the, the Caroline stretchers, yeah. 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 So I have the plans here, the paper plans. Uh, so I want to Actually, I want to build two of them. One, one for my house, as my wife would say, another random chair. And I want to make. <laughs> it's the best look. I loved walking into Kyle's and seeing yeah. all his "quote unquote" random furniture. I mean, uh, eclectic. Awesome. eclectic. Yeah, I mean, Rex and Mark, you guys can definitely vouch for this. In a chairmaker's house, there, I, I highly doubt you'll be able to find two, if maybe three, of the same chair. Especially around a dining room table, you'll find like a birdcage, you know, going back and. That's just how it is. You have to try every every model. But I want to make, my, yeah, I want to make one well, of those around, chairs for here. Around my dining room table, I do have the same chair, but it's the evolution of the chair. All right, here's the base <laughs> one. Here's where I added a few more little whiz Mark bangs. Zero. Yeah, exactly. Well, just, my so my my wife has informed me that there will be no additional designs of chair placed around <laughs> our table. So. Uh, she she has her chair, which was a prototype for a, yep. a, a customer chair, and then there's the the Boggs ladder black ladder back armchair, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna make this chair, I'm gonna make that chair, and she's like, no, 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 you're gonna you're gonna make one design. You've got your armchair, that's what you're teaching. You're gonna make that chair, and that's all you get to put around the table from here on out. So. <laughs> Yeah, you just gotta start putting them in random quarters of the home. Like, you know? We don't have any room, any corners left. <laughs> Every corner has a chair in it. It's like, it's like dust bunnies or something. You know, they just multiply. <laughs> yeah, you, you got them, got them wet after midnight, and they multiply. There he goes. <laughs> My wife. Right. Well, when are you gonna build this? This is it number fourteen. 
Um, That's the one that has a crinoline stretcher. Yes, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, you need to come down. We could build it. Yeah, I'm dying to because I I, I want to make one as a wedding present for my neighbors. Uh, so figure I'll I'll make the that give them as the prototype and then uh, make one for at least one for the house. I think they would be they would would be gorgeous dining room chairs. Yeah. When are they? When are they? Yeah. When are they getting married? That's a good strategy. Uh, they actually already got married, so it's a oh, okay. Delayed, well, you got uh, <laughs> all the time you need. Yep. Yeah. Hell, there you go. No <laughs> deadline. Best well, no, that that's a great thing. You give them one chair and say, "Oh, you want three or <laughs> it's like sure. six more of those?" <laughs> They're two grand. It's First fine. one's free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, other than that, just making life, working like crazy. Kids are keeping me busy. Um, yep. So Kyle, what's going on for you? Um, just uh, cranking out some orders. Nothing, nothing too much. I uh, have done a couple of posts out there on Instagram showing uh, how I build. Hopefully, by the time this posts, a couple of my jigs in a rather speeded up fashion. Uh, I have not got the video out about some of the build details on the lathe uh, pattern turning jig just yet. I am working on a a commission of sorts for a uh, jig and that's about all i can say about that but uh, i am working on that so uh, that's taking up some of my time so hopefully i will have that video out i'm hoping as this posts the week after so we will see i did uh, enjoy but, your your sped up assembly video you put out it was very nice oh thank you thank you i <laughs> i recorded two of those so you saw the first one at this at this <laughs> okay one was worse no yeah, no. no 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 it was one. a different jig it's a different jig so uh, i was a drilling guide yeah yeah uh, i posted the one on my spindle drilling guide so i got one on my seat drilling guide so yeah so it's another fun one and uh like we said in the pre-show is when when you uh record those things it's 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 kind of interesting uh, usually I don't have to rebuild in, in the, uh, spindle drilling guide. I actually had to rebuild the sliding, uh, carriage as I call it, because the first one was a little too tight. And that happens like maybe once out of every 10 I build. And of course, when you turn the cameras on, that's what happens. I mean, it's mm -hmm. no big deal. It's just like, boy, you sure have spent a lot of time building that one component. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's cameras and glue ups, man. They just, exactly. I exactly. just drops to zero and. Everything I started to edit it now. out, but I went, nah, so it, it is what it is. So it makes but, you, they don't know what in quick view, you can tell like, oh man, this does take time. If I know this is fed up to 200 yeah. times speed and he's running <laughs> like a mouse, man, this must, it must have taken him hours. <laughs> this tool is definitely worth what he charges. I get it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's uh, part of it is, uh, especially the camera angle I had, you really can't see what I'm doing as far as calibrating everything, but uh, maybe I'll do it again in a few months from a different angle and you can see that a little bit better. But anyway, I think, I think I'm going to make a video where I'm, you know, like doing something that I sell, but I'm going to move like incredible, like slow motion. And I'm speed <laughs> up to 20 speed. The illusion like, of, yeah, I mean, this is like, this is, this is 10 hours of work. You know, yes. to make this one little thing because I'm moving at half a mile an hour. And... The trolls will know. They'll know. Oh, yeah. They'll be able to tell that it speeds up and slows Absolutely. down. Absolutely. And... I don't feed the trolls, though. I don't, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, with that, uh, Rex, what are you working on in your shop? Or I guess oh, or you're guess back you're... in your shop, right? Back at home, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. no. You're still in Boston, right? I'm what? still in Boston through August, through the middle of August. I oh. uh, rented a bench at North Bennett, so I go in every day. And uh, oh wow, there's there's 40 benches in there, and 
and you know two planers and four band saws and all kinds of equipment to use and i think i share it with maybe four other students something <laughs> like that there is uh and this week the um north bennett has they teach it three times a year the 90-day intensive program where the students come in and they spend some time down there's two shops at north bennett there's the basement well there's several shops because there's the carpentry and preservation carpentry has shops as well but for fine furniture there's the shop on the third floor and there's one in the basement floor and the one in the basement floor is used for continuing education classes and that's what the 90-day intensive falls under so they use that until we we graduate and the students go you know most of the students go out for the summer and they're either doing um small fellowships for some of the craft schools like Haystack or Peters Valley or Center for Furniture Craftsmanship or I think the other two are Aeromont, Penland, and um, then they move up there. So those those eight students have moved up. So there's what, maybe 15 of us there that use the whole shop and it's kind of fun. And um, I'm spending time, I, I have a kind of a modern take on a Chippendale chair that I've worked on. It's a ladder back and the ladders are, uh, they look like, some people call them a pretzel. They look like a ribbon that's been twisted. Hmm. So, or a ribbon that's been looped. So there's this little loop. And if you're familiar with Michael Fortune did a Chippendale chair not too long back, it looks like a shield back chair. And it has these ribbons that, that are these ladders that kind of go with a ribbon form and form the pretzel, just a twist. And it's kind of patterned after that. So my goal wasn't, I, I knew I didn't have enough time to finish the chair. So my goal was just to make a back, just make the back. And I pretty much got that ready. Um, it's not fit as tight as I like, but I'm going to set that aside. I'm working on, one of my goals at North Bennett was to get pretty proficient at milk paint. And um, I'm working on, I'm working on painting a lot of things with milk paint. I have a Windsor side chair that I've done that I'm working on, painting it now. I'm doing the layering technique, and then I've got mm -hmm. some. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Collins boxes or not. They're they're bandsaw boxes, but they don't look like your traditional bandsaw box. They look like a box that's they're they're all carved they're, up. They're carved. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I am familiar I'm, with those. Yeah. I'm working on those. You build them from the inside out, and I took a short course for him down at Peters Valley not too long ago, and really enjoyed it. It's uh. Yeah. Did he do like a fine woodworking? Uh, article or a video on those? Oh, he did. He yeah, did. yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was he the same guy I'm thinking yeah. about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah. He, he used to live in California. He's moved mm -hmm. to Connecticut. He just set up his shop, and now he's doing his first projects in his new shop. He's, you know, he's been a furniture master for many times. He lived in Sonoma Valley. He's built big stuff, lots of stuff, and he's done it for 30 years. I don't quite, don't quite know what all of his background is, but he's a very good woodworker, and then he carves the surfaces of a lot of his furniture mm -hmm. and the way it plays with light and it's really pretty. So I took a box making class from him and it's just totally different. You know, rule number one, don't bring a rule. You know, I don't want to see any, I don't want to see any rulers, nothing, no tape measures, no rulers. So you're just kind of free, you know, you're free cutting this on the bandsaw. And then you, the way you make it, you make this box from the inside out. And when you assemble it and then you put it, you know, you put three coats of milk paint on there, you can't see where it's joined and it's kind of hard. Like, so today I had, one instructor come by and two students came by and they looked at my boxes and they go, what did you do? Just carve this whole box out of a block? And I go, no, it's assembled. And so then I started explaining it to them. It's pretty fun. And it's just so different that it's really refreshing and without yeah. a ruler, without doing right angles and without measuring things. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty relaxing. And he told me that what he did is he 
has these, you know, when you're making a project, so say you're making a Chippendale chair that's got arms on it, you know, that can take you quite a while to build that chair. And so it's kind of nice to have a little project that's kind of like carving a spoon will do it too for yeah. me. You just sit back and you do something and you get it done and you and you like it. It's it's just kind of rejuvenating. It keeps the juices up and then you can go back to your big project and start knocking out the next couple of steps. And so that's how we come up with this box idea. And so I just I enjoyed it so much. I want to pursue that a little bit more. But milk painting, I don't know how much milk painting you guys have done on your chairs, but there's a there's a pretty steep learning curve with that product. No, right. there's always a learning curve with that product. Yeah, and I think I don't, I, I, I don't think you, I don't think you ever master it. It's you know, it's it's one. So you're you're doing the layer technique. You know, typical people will know that as the black over red. But yeah. there's all kinds of different colors you can mix. So are you putting a shellac coat between them, or are you not? No, I'm not. I kind of okay. so I did black. I did black over red, and I'm mm -hmm. on on this project. I'm using the Real Milk Paint Company. Yeah. Um, that's that's their their name. Yeah, and I kind of wanted the black to show or the red to show through the black. And I've got one more coat of black. It's going to be a thin coat that primarily covers most of the most of whatever red you see. And then I'm mm -hmm. going to go with blue. And uh, blue is a pretty typical harder color to get to cover. It's yeah. Just, it, for some reason, blue is tough. Black's easy and red's pretty easy, but blue's tough. And so I'm going to put blue over that. And then what I my my whole goal is as it wears it looks like okay it was a blue chair today and it was a black chair it, you know the chair's only weeks old but it looks like okay 50 years ago someone painted it black and then 100 years ago someone painted it red and all those colors will come through as the chair wears that's what I'm hoping to do yeah I'm not cool. going to create a stress or anything like that I just want to let it wear naturally yeah yeah no milk paint is definitely something that's interesting now i know chris swords is doing a lot of stuff with linseed oil paints mm -hmm. and i've always wanted to try that too so maybe i'll try that one of these days but you know it's, it's one of those things uh that i get into is like oh this looks cool this is the new shiny coin on the ground let me go yeah. try this you know <laughs> yep i just man i just want a finish that i can use over exactly. and over again i know how it works I know what mm -hmm. to expect. Mm -hmm. And I think linseed oil is probably, as far as paints go, that's probably the closest you're going to get something like that. Yeah. Right? Uh, the, the general finish is old. It's it's not really milk paint, but that general finish is old-fashioned milk paint. That's pretty easy to use. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that about that, yeah. You can yeah, layer it. You can, you, you, you can spray it, too. Yeah. Yeah, and you can spray it. Yeah. But it's it's pretty... As far as paints go, it's pretty easy to use. So one one of my classmates used that, and he was done in two coats with his chair. Another classmate went and bought the Benjamin Moore equivalent, and he did. He was done with two coats on his chair. And I'm thinking, well, it sure would have been easy. But I I knew it was easy because I've used those before. But I wanted I wanted to go through the pain with milk paint. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not exactly long term friends, but we're, we I don't hate it as much now. I'm I'm becoming there more. There you go. Okay. Have, have you got one of the um the uh stir things to stir it up with the little magnetic uh stir laboratory uh, stir yeah yeah I magnetic do. I, I do and i kind of don't like it i like i like okay. using, i like using the pyrex glass that uh Pete yeah. uses you know peter galbert uses and Chiler, charlie ryland's use i like using that glass i like using the uh, rubber spatula to to mix it and um i just keep folding it in there like you would make you know, with egg whites, I just keep yeah. folding it in and keep working it and folding it in Man. and keep, add, keep adding water. It, but I've got it down now where, you know, 
pardoned all the Finnish companies, but I've, I'm kind of getting to the point where whatever Finnish, whatever directions they give you on the back of the can, just throw that away because every yeah. Finnish I play with is a learning experience. They're all mm -hmm. based on climate. It's based on the heat of the day. It's, you know, with a wood you're putting it on and milk paint's different from color to color. It behaves a little bit different from mm -hmm. color to color. So I'm just slowly working it, putting the water in. But I got mm -hmm. it down to where I can mix a, I, I can mix a decent work, you know, milk paint, maybe as soon as 10 minutes, maybe as, and then let, then I let it steal for 10 minutes and then I go back and look at it and maybe add a little water and then we're ready to go. And if I can keep, if I can keep the foam out of there, I'm good. Sometimes if there's too much foam, I'll filter it. Man, you've shaved like two days off the process of mixing the paint. Uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time pounding on it now. So yeah. it's, it's, well, hey, hey, have you tried using that defoaming agent stuff? Um, no. And I heard it kind of works, but I haven't tried it. Yeah, yeah it, does. it does work. It's just glycerol. Yeah. Pardon me? It's just glycerol. Is that all it is? Yeah, it just takes like a drop, two drops. Okay, I put a little bit of uh, Joy dishwashing detergent in there, and that seems to work. It seems to help. Hmm. I wonder if you could use uh, semethicone drops, little baby gas drops. Yeah, it should be, because all you need is something to break surface tension. So, yeah, it's all it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's what I'm doing in the shop, and it's it's I'm finding it rather relaxing, and 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 that's that's just because the school semester is it's kind of like going to your job, you know, you work really hard from seven in the morning till five at night, and now I'm there's no one overseeing me, and I'm just kind of taking up taking it easy. Well, cool. that's good. Well, speaking of that, so tell us a little bit about the uh, your fourth and last semester there at North Bennett Street School. Uh, the so, fourth semester is pretty fun. Uh, do you have anything specific, or you want me to just kind of start in, and you can ask questions from there? Let Let's start in, and we'll ask questions from there. Yeah. Okay. So typically, and in, in North Bennett, that the the pandemic kind of goofed things up a little bit, and so they kind of got out of practice because school was kind of intermittent. But now they're getting back into the swing of things. And I was there for the first semester. We wore masks. This last or the first year we wore masks. This year we didn't have to wear masks. They were optional. Um, we still had to be, you know, have our injections and stuff like that. But what what is what's what happened is is the fourth semester is kind of pretty. Typically, what happened the fourth semester is you get all your graduation requirements done the first, second, and third semester. So the fourth semester you have the opportunity to work on what you want to work on. Hmm. Okay, there's some there's some criteria with that, and what it is is. You know, you have to still show up on time every day. You have to get two years of, you know, I, I punched the numbers through. It was about, you know, about 2,000 hours as if you were on a job. And you come in from uh, school time is from 8 to 3, but many people stay up till 5. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can stay till 9, 9 p.m. if you want. But you have to have so many hours. You have to be to school on time. You can't leave early or you can you get, you know, get excused absences just like you would if you were working for a big corporation. Um, and you have to continue to stretch. So if you say, Hey, I want to make another one of the, like the chair I just made, they'd say, well, you have to do something different. You have to stretch and improve, improve your techniques and your capabilities, not stretch your muscles, stretch your work. Yeah. You have to stretch. Your, yeah. It's a really, it's really pretty cool. And, and then the instructors are there to help you. And by fourth semester, you should be able to do a lot of it on your own, but they're still there to help you. You know, there's still the safety net there and you still ask them for questions. And sometimes people stretch a great amount. So what I did for the fourth semester is I finished my linen chest or a blanket chest. It's white oak. I, I had it all done third semester, except for I had to put in the, the, the floor, which is just shiplap 
uh, aromatic red cedar. And then um, it's North Bennett, so I can't just drop that in there. I had to put shoe molding all the way around. And I had, <laughs> I had, I had to have perfect 45 miters in the corners, and it had to look really nice. And then one of the instructors. Well, well it was a lovely piece. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, come by and see it. It's in the exhibit now. The North Bennett is open from eight to five and they have these exhibit the, they have the summer exhibit which is called continual craft and i have two pieces in it and you're welcome to sit in my modern chair and see how it feels and you're welcome to lift it and see that it weighs maybe 12 pounds it's not very heavy not as light as a peter galbert windsor chair but it's not very heavy either yeah but it's got through through wedge tenons in the back of it it's it, it'll be long it'll be around when i'm gone and uh, has a slip seat in there so it's easy to reupholster and then my blanket chest is in there. But so I, I, I just, I just finished the blanket chest. I, I, my modern chair was done. And so it was kind of, I could do whatever I wanted. And so what I did is I said, well, I'm going to focus on the business classes that they teach at North Bennett. So I, I, I took those, I'm going to focus on the wood shop, you know, the workshops that are coming in. And we had an advanced finishing workshop with Brad Walcott, who's a North Bennett street graduate. We had a Windsor chair workshop with Charlie Rylands who, um, you know, he's worked with Peter Galbert for years Yep. and, uh, really, really personable guy, really good guy. And then, uh, Lance Patterson, uh, just turned 79 this year. The, you know, great master at North Bennett, he taught a clock building workshop. And so I made this round oversized round wall clock and, um, those, that, and, you know, then we have furniture lectures every Thursday it is, we call them Lance Lectures, and he talks about furniture styles and, and building techniques. And then we had some, probably, I think, five professional lectures where a, a fellow named Roger Myers and Charlie Ryans and uh, some other folks came in and talked about how, you know, what they've done in their careers since they since they graduated from North Bennett or and and how they built their business up. And we got to ask them all kinds of business questions and all kinds of making questions. And so we had those. And we had some great field trips. Uh, I, I highly recommend if anybody has a chance, go visit Dave Hancock in Connecticut in Thompson, Connecticut. He's got a lovely mill. He knows what he, he graduated from North Bennett. So he harvests things for furniture makers. And man, I love buying wood from him. It's just beautiful stuff to work with. Oh, that's so cool. And um, another one was we got to go to the old sta old Massachusetts State House. We call it the old Massachusetts State House, but I think the new one was built in the early 1800s. So the, the, <laughs> that, that's the new one. We have the old one that was uh, the governor's house before, you know, in the 1600s. And a couple of Matt Wada, who's been on the show, and Dan Fay, who's been on the show, they reproduced the table and some of the chairs that are in the governor's room. And we got to go look at those and turn them upside down and kind of, you know, do things, uh, pieces of furniture and museums that you usually don't get to do. And so we got to look at those and then they got to tell us about how they built them and how, why they did certain things and what they didn't really know how a certain piece was in the joinery. So, so they did their own interpretation to make it last. And it's pretty cool. So that's that's pretty much um, my fault. Wow, what I did, and that's that's a lot. Heck yeah. um, uh, of all the questions I have is, uh, you know, knowing your background, Rex, what do you think of the business classes that they had there? I really liked them because, yeah. um, you know, I was wasn't my official title, but I was kind of the the managing partner for an engineering firm, and um, so reading balance sheets and handing finances is nothing new to me. The accounting process, getting ready for taxes. Um, I thought the business classes were pretty good. 
Okay. Uh, I, I, what they did is, is, is it wasn't the staff or faculty that taught those classes. So like Katie Thompson, who you announced as a, you know, thank her for her patronship, yeah. taught a class on using social media and how you, that could help your business and how you go from using social media and posting social media to try and get people to go from Instagram to say your website or your Etsy shop and buy right. stuff or, or whatever your product is. Um, they brought in attorneys to talk about how you set your business up and what your form, you know, what kind of different business forms there are. Mm -hmm. um, accountants came in and talked about bookkeeping and taxes. Uh, let's see what else was there. An insurance person came in and talked about business insurance. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And things like that. And depending on, you know, you got to remember, I'm, I'm, well, as of the fourth semester, I was the oldest student on the floor this this last semester. Some prior to that, someone was a little older than me, and he graduated um, last January, or he finished last January. He was able to go five semesters, so he could do restoration on a fifth semester, which is usually pretty rare. So I was I was the oldest once he finished. So some of the stuff I had, but a lot of the students are 19, 20, 27, right. 35. Some of them, you know, some the older ones that are 35 or in their 30s are usually just, you know, they just got out of the military not too long ago and they're using their GI Bill to go to North Bennett. So it was, I thought it was pretty well taught and they really did, they answered a lot of questions and they helped a lot of people form business where several of my classmates are there renting benches for this summer because they're doing um piece work or they're doing furniture pieces for actual clients and that's what they're making this summer so that's, i thought they were good i thought they were good classes yeah that's cool that that is that is very well and i'm glad they do that and uh to such a degree they do and i think a bunch of the woodworking schools are now getting more heavily involved and in having actual business courses during part of the woodworking curriculum so that's great there are, there are yeah. i mean i'm finding out there are jobs out there yeah. Um, one of my colleagues just went to New York for a, he's going to work for a small shop doing commission furniture work. Another one went to work for um, a company that builds stairs for houses. That's what they do is they build the tre the treads and the runners for a house mm -hmm. for, custom, for custom made homes. Um, so there's work out there and others are applying still, but there's so, and I still see ads on the North Bennett street bulletin board for, um, furniture makers to come work. So I, there's jobs, you know, and they range anywhere from, I don't know, 20 bucks to 30 bucks, depending on mm. where you go. I think if you're a young furniture maker, it's, it would, it would be really informative to go work for somebody else for a year, you know, or, or at least a little while. Uh, I know, can, you can, you can see how things, what it's really like inside of a, a bigger shop and decide mm -hmm. whether that's where you want to go. Like if that's even a goal you want, you know, you know what it's like to work on your own. You've done that already. Yep. Um, but, uh, seeing all the things that go into running a business like that, it's be, it'd be really valuable. I wish, I wish that I had had that, uh, had taken that step when I moved from building high rises and prisons to, <laughs> to building furniture. But, um, yeah, go make mistakes on somebody else's dime for a little while and, and see what I it's really like. I, I just think it's, I, I agree with everything you just said. I, I think it's really good to kind of see that aspect. The other thing that's really good that you don't see in school is not that not that this is bad, but it's just different than being in school. So every piece we did had to be have at least some element that was different. So you stretch a little bit. Well, what is it like to make the tenth stair runner that you've made for the same yeah. the same home that someone's building? 
that they built this home 10 times, you're going to make the same stairs. So believe it or not, the person that has done that for the last three, the summer before he came to North Bennett, last summer why he was take a brick break from North Bennett and doing it now, he is probably one of the finest makers I've ever met because he just knows how to work wood and he knows how to do it fast because he's, you know, he's used, he's used the table saw, he's tuned up table saws. In fact, when he went back from North Bennett, his sec after the first, for the, when he went back to work this first summer break, he had skills of tuning up equipment that they didn't have. And so he was always tuning up their machinery so they could run better, faster and cheaper. And then they would, and then he was, his skills were unbelievable. He built, you know, to graduate, you need to make X number of pieces and he made X number plus about seven and his work is beautiful. Wow. So wow. I think there's a lot of good, I think Mark, I think exactly like what you're saying. It's, it's really good experience. And I think that's what the, the faculty would encourage them to do as well. Well, I think it, you, you landed on something there too, where like, you know, when you're at school, you have to build, everything has to be different. But when you go out to work for a business, everything has to be the same. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to enjoy woodworking when you're ch chasing after the thing you want to build next. And, uh, but it, it's so much easier to pay the bills when you build something you've built a hundred times. Um, you, know, that, you know, that brings up another point is it's kind of funny. I, I get to know most of the students at school, all 40 of them. I know their names. They know me. Um, it's, and it's really, truly, it's a great, a great pleasure to know them and, and to hear the, hear their different stories. Everybody's got a story of why, how they came to North Bennett and what sacrifices they had to make to get there. The interesting thing is, is that I do meet people that really don't want to make the, the shaker nightstand as their first project, or they don't want to make the splayed leg table. They want to branch off immediately. And mm -hmm. the school won't let you do that because they want you to do these things. So they find ways to do intermittent, intermittent projects that kind of, or they'll finish their splayed leg table so this last semester, there was probably four, four out of the 10 students finished their splayed leg table, which that's about the time the semester ends is when you get that. They finished that way early. One of them went on to make his toolbox, which usually you do second semester. The other three chose to do different projects, another splayed leg table or something like that. So they were able to branch off a little bit and do, do kind of what they wanted, but they, they really balked at doing the ones that the school wanted them to do. But my feeling is learn at the North Bennett Street way and then then branch off. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of like if you go work for a company, you're going to have to do what the company wants you to do. So it's not bad to conform. I'm, I'm not saying conformist is, is, is the way to go because, you know, creativity is important and trying new things is important. But learn how to do it the way your bosses want you to learn how to do it and then branch off from that. Yeah, and at least everyone has a baseline skill level, so 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 to speak. You know, you're all speaking the same language, and that also uh, is important too. But yeah, it's very interesting, very interesting what they're doing in North Bennett Street School. Really like For that. Sure. So so tell me a little bit about some of the techniques and skills you learned this semester, as opposed to some of the other semesters. Oh, it was it's it was it was really kind of cool. Some uh, I I want to share something with you that's a Probably what you're not expecting just because it's fun is um uh i you know some of the things i learned is if you've ever used hardware on furniture it's a, it's its own learning it's its own beast okay so you're thinking okay i'm getting this lock all the locks are you know i'm 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 ordering lock one two three from white chapel or wherever you're getting it okay so i or i get this lock in and i'm thinking lock one two three is the same as 
every lock one two three from Whitechapel. You know, it's the same model number. Oh, not quite. They're, <laughs> they're handmade, just like our furniture handmade. So just yeah. because, just because yeah. you, and that casting only lasts so many turns until they got to make a new casting. You know, and, and just because you, <laughs> new you, cut, you cut one yeah. one to fit in this piece of wood over here, and you got another one, it's mm. not going to fit the same hole. <laughs> don't so, don't uh, uh, scramble the parts, huh? Yeah. So I also learned that you need to get your hardware, and you need to deal with hardware right up front of your project. Don't say, okay, now it's time to put in the lock. So I, I spent a week just learning how to fit this lock. I, I used, you know, and I'm, so I'm chiseling and first I'd use a Forstner bit to get out a lot of the waste. And then I'm chiseling, you know, quarter sawn white oak. And it's just beating the tar out of my chisels. Okay. Did, did you use any of those little right angle lock chisels that I think? No. Just, uh -huh. okay. I just use regular chisels. Okay. And they, work, they work just fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And um, other and uh, other than uh, you know the sand or whatever it is in that white oak just beats on them. So I sharp kept sharpening, and uh, I get it all set, and I, I get so confident. I go, okay, now I can inset this lock into this blanket chest. It's ready for it, and I got, and I I haven't glued anything up because it's easier to assemble. You know, it's easier to put the lock in this in this in the rail before you put it, put it all together. But it's all fitted and everything's put together dry, and it's all ready to go. And I start putting it, I start holding the lock up where I'm going to put it. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, geez, all the coves and beads I put in here aren't going to work right. The discussion for the key is going to go right in the, right in this one part. And there's no way I can clean this out to make it look right. So I go home over the weekend and I'm just puzzling over this and I get some more wood and I start chiseling it the next Monday. So all in all, it took me about a week to decide we're not going to put the lock in this in this blanket chest because there's no way I can make this look right. It'll it'll look like someone slapped this in after the piece was done, which essentially was what I was doing. Right? There's no way I can make this look like it was well thought out, but it because I would have had to, you know, if I would have thought of this beforehand, I could have changed how i did the coves and beads on that rail and made it so it looked like it was well thought out and i said i bagged the lock so then i'm working on the top and i and i you know i i had milled the top some time ago but the top just didn't need to be built so i i just let it sit and it was rough milled so then i final mill it and i'm looking at it and there's these couple of cracks in the board and i look at that and i go man there's no way i can make this look right i don't want them to crack anymore so um I'm going to have to put some Dutchman in there. And some people don't know that term. So they're bow ties or butterflies. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so I thought, okay, so I take, I take a few days, learn how to install those, you know, draw them out, make the butterflies on the bandsaw, trim them with a chisel, um, mark them out, use a little handheld router to take out the waste and then chisel the edges. So they fit in and then you tap them in. Okay. So I practice those for a few days and get that all figured out. So then I, Final mill the board, or I had final mill, I glue up my lid, get it all put together, and then I'm I, I lay it, I'm looking at it and I go, you know, if I just cut this on an angle, I don't I I can skip those. And so I had this rectangle of a board, but the grain was a little bit slanted. So if I just followed the grain with a lid so that the lid was parallel, the edges of the lid were mm -hmm. parallel and perpendicular to the grain. I could miss those cracks. So I, that's what I did. And, and the lid would be stronger and it would look better anyway. So the parts that I had to bow tie, they all became waste and I didn't have to bow tie anyway. So I, so I learned bow tying and lock installation and never never really used it. <laughs> um, let's see, what else did I do? Uh, I learned how to do slip seat upholstery on my modern chair, which is, believe it or not, a lot of fun. And um, 
I learned that it is a lot easier to hold those tacks in your mouth and put your hammer to your mouth and then tack the tacks in like that than it is to try and pick them up and put them on the hammer. Hmm. Um, in the clock, the clock was kind of fun. I, I learned that, uh, so to make round surfaces, so one of my, one of my classmates has this, um, it's, in the, it's in the exhibit at North Bennett right now. She has this, um, I think it's a Heppel, no, no, it's, uh, I think it's a Seymour game table. So it has a lid that flips over and then a leg that rotates out and supports that lid. So the game table is, you know, it'll go up against the wall. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's a semicircle. You pull the table out, you, you rotate, you, you, the, heads, the lids on hinges, you, rotate, you, you flip the lid over and then pull this leg out and it sits down and it's a round, ta a round okay. table, okay? I'm hoping that I'm explaining that so it's clear to everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, the round front is, is is all pieces of popular that are like bricks. So she she drew this pattern on a piece of paper and then she made these bricks, say seven inches long, that are they're they're cut and they're rounded, and then you glue them together, and then the next layer you you stagger the bricks so there's no vertical line that goes in between the bricks. It's you know, it hits so these bricks are staggered, just like you would if you were doing bricks on a wall. Uh -huh. And then what she did is she um, veneered the front of it. So it's got mahogany veneer on the front. And we use, we use a lot of veneer at North Bennett. And I know a lot of people think that's a sign of cheap furniture. But the veneer we use is stuff that it's purposefully cut as veneer because that log is so beautiful. And it has such beautiful grain in it that they, they can get much more money out of using it as veneer. And if you were to use make it into boards, that wood would not nearly go as far. And so... Um, there's a lot of high-end furniture that's made in the 17th, 18th century, or the 18th and 19th centuries that's veneered out of France and England. And so that's what she did is veneered it, and her top is is solid mahogany. So on this clock, we did the same kind of bricking method. And then I learned how to turn that on the lathe, just like you would do with... Um, like the segment and turnings? Segment, segment yeah. and turnings, yeah. yeah. Segment yeah. and turnings. That's, that's the word I was looking for, is the segment and turnings. So I did that, and I learned how to install the movement. And um, we used the CNC machine to take a piece of masonite and some Bristol paper, just a high-end artist paper. We glued that to the masonite, and we used the CNC machine to carve out the numbers for the clock. And I'll send you mm -hmm. a picture of the clock, and you can add that to your notes or put it in the, in the announcement yeah. if you want. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I learned to do a little platter carving, like I talked about earlier. Some, I, I, on my own, I did some chip carving practice. Um, doing the Windsor chair was probably one of the funnest things I've ever done. Yeah, I was about to say. Now tell us about the the best thing you did, which was obviously the Windsor chair. <laughs> the Windsor chair, right? <laughs> I, you know what? Here's the fun about the Windsor chair. There's some hard parts about it. Throw your straight edge away, right? You're not going to right. But the thing is, is no matter what you do in the Windsor chair, there always seemed to be a little bit of tolerance. You know, it didn't have to be right on the nuts. And everything else yeah. I do at North Bennett has to be right on the nuts. I mean, yeah. you know, we're using hand planes. And when I go to cut a tenon on the table saw, I'm creeping up on that tenon. So I, when I put the tenon in the mortise, that board, I can lift the mortise board up and the tenon doesn't fall out. Yet the tenon's will go in easy enough that it doesn't jam up on me on glue up, okay? So I gotta be able to physically, not with the hammer or prying, I can take the tenon out and I can put it in, but it also has to be able to hold by itself when I lift the mortise board up and, yeah. and the other board's hanging down there. Well, I'll, I'll, let, uh, I'll let Brian say uh, Greg Pennington's catchphrase. Oh yeah, chair makers, is... chair makers perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not a mistake if it's symmetrical. 
Well, that's the thing is, is you you want it symmetrical. You want it to look balanced. You you you, and and it, it this is not my first day to Windsor chairs, but this is my first time to not build, let's say, a kit. You know, a kit chair where someone gave me the turn spindles or right. something like that. I have never sat in a handmade Windsor chair that it. The beauty is it conforms to your body. It is so comfortable. Where a machine-made Windsor chair and your spindles are three quarters of an inch. Talk about uncomfortable, okay? But those handmade ones are so comfortable. And there's just enough. I mean, every part of that process has a little bit of tolerance where it just doesn't have to be on the nuts. With the exception of where, you know, you could get away with your spindles, be a little sloppy in the socket. But you don't want that. You want them to, be, you want them to fit in tight. But, boy, it's just, there's just... This idea that it can be approximate is is really comforting, and so I thought the Windsor chair was just, you know, from splitting the log to get to riving my spindles and getting getting you know getting square pieces out of the log, and then spoke shaving and, and using the the draw knife to get those whittled down. Um, I, I uh, you know Charlie had to go, and we weren't done with part of the chair, and he wasn't going to come back for a week. And you know we were we were busting our tails pretty hard for a week, but we hadn't trimmed the top of our spindles and we hadn't turned the top of our post to put on the crest rail, okay? And we hadn't drilled the crest well. Well, I thought, well, this is not my first time. And I got Pete's book, and you do it just like it's in his book. So I'm reading that, and I go, I can do this. Well, I cut my spindles too short. And I don't know this till Charlie comes back, and I'm trying. You know, we're trying. I go, so he goes, Rex, we can either cut your post short and put it on. I go, no, it'll look goofy. I'm just going to make new ones. He goes, Rex, it's the last day. And I go, you go to lunch. Let's see where I'm at when you get back. Well, I knocked them out in two hours. <laughs> wow. and, they look better, and they look better than the first one. First one yeah. Oh, this is good. And he goes, I go, it's not my first time, but I, I go, I've been hustling. <laughs> so um, th that, if you've never made a Windsor chair, I, give it a shot. It's really a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, we agree. And then You'll be shocked at how comfortable it is when you first sit in it, because that's always a treat to be able to sit in. You know, you get you get it legged up and you sit on your little seat and you see how that feels, and it always feels lovely. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it does. It does. And like you said, the thing about Windsor chairs, especially when they're built right, they have a little bit of tolerance, a little bit of flex, and that helps make them comfortable. This and Brian and myself are both sitting in Windsor chairs. Yeah, so. I, I see Brian's right now. Mine's my <laughs> balloon back. I don't know. You probably can't see that, but anyway. I was, yeah. I was wondering why Brian didn't give that to his neighbor for a wedding present. Well, th this one is actually, uh, I went to Jim Rendy's estate sale. He lived very close to me uh, when he passed. And uh -huh. uh, um, I actually have one of his and a very early Mike Dunbar chair that's upstairs by my side door. Um oh. Were you it's, in uh, one bar class or did you just were able to buy the chair? No, I, I, Jim had it. Uh, it was okay. actually when I contacted Mike, he told me that Jim came up to take a class with him. This is like 1981. Uh -huh. And because uh, uh, Mike stamped the, the bottom of the chair and uh, he said, yeah, that Jim came up in the class and they made it during that point. And uh, he says, I want to take one of your chairs home and, and uh, buy him both of them at his estate sale. So. Okay. Yeah, but my favorite chair. I you know I've made a couple sackbacks. I think those. That's just a, a beautiful traditional style. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, you're right. It's like I sit in this thing all day because I sit working from my computer all day, and I don't even notice it. Um, it. But when people come over, they're afraid to sit in the Windsor chairs because they think they look fragile. Yeah. And I'm like it, th that when you take the the crest rail and you start rocking it. You, <laughs> yeah, you just see the the horror on their face, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so, so but yeah 
I you know, that was my first time messing around with hide glue. I really, I really have this appreciation for hide glue now. I, uh, it's, it's easy to clean up. It's, it's, it's so repairable. It's pretty fun mm -hmm. to use. And then, um, you know, what Charlie did is he just says, Hey, I really don't like heating the hide glue up and then reheating the same hide glue. We're just going to mix enough hide glue that we're going to use for the day. And he says, it seems to last longer, but you know, your crystals last longer by doing that. He goes, it doesn't stink. And, and you know, the, the, he goes, and so some people are grumble about the smell. And I says, ah, the guy next to me for the last semester was building this timbre chest and it was all veneered with hide glue. I go, I stopped, I stopped being able to even smell it about two months ago. So <laughs> I didn't even notice it now. Um, uh, you know, I, that was nice. Uh, I was going to tell you something else that was kind of fun with that chair, but it's, you know, the carving went well. Oh, what I was going to tell you was that uh, the only part that we real because we were in kind of a hurry to do this and we got the we got the wood all from um, Dave Hancock down there at Hancock Forest Products in Connecticut. When we were down there on a field trip, we brought the logs back with us. So the spindles were riven from log, but all the maple stuff, we as, as classmates all got together and we took eight quarter maple stock and we're cutting it up on the bandsaw. We got a 32 inch bandsaw at North Bennett Street School. So we were cutting it up on that. But luckily, I'd made these before, and I says, okay, so we started looking at, because you just cut your boards out any willy-nilly way. The saw doesn't care what the grain direction is. Mm -hmm. But luckily, I says, okay, we got to line this out so that the grain is pretty straight. So even though it was kiln-dried wood, the grain goes from end of board to end of board. So when we got on the lathe to turn the maple parts, the grain went was continuous all the way through. So I, that worked out really nice. I, and, when I, and, and why that's important to me is when I go back to Idaho, there's a lot of city grown trees inside the city, but other than that, outside the city, it's arid. It's all sagebrush. And if you hmm. see trees that are all pines or Douglas fir or something like that, when you get in the mountains. So, you know, hardwood timber forests are much rarer where I live and being able to use kiln dried wood is going to be a lot easier because hmm. it's all imported to Idaho anyway. And, so I'm going to have to learn a little bit on how to bend the crest rails or if we're doing, say, bow backs, bend that wood. Mm. But I may be able to get some city-grown oak trees. But we'll see how that is because, you know, the stress is on that city-grown stuff because there are mm. individual yeah. trees out there. They're not protected by the edges of the forest. Mm. We'll see how that works. Well, you got short parts. That always helps. Oh. The other you know, thing is, small segments of straight grain is all you really need. You don't have to have an entire eight foot long log. That's true. The other thing yeah. is you guys gave me the name of that fellow that's selling chair parts. So I could get <laughs> Andy Glenn. I get yep. from him. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. If you need cherry or eventually walnut, you can get it from me. That's true. So yeah, yeah. so you know, things are a lot better than they were ten, five years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they are a lot better. Oh, yeah. And you know, I've you know, I've done bloombacks with uh, kiln dried red oak, so you know it's mm -hmm. doable. You just got to soak, soak it. 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 <laughs> you got to soak it for about a week or two, and then steam it for you know a couple hours. You okay. know, not twice as long, and you're going to have failures, but um, you know it, it'll work. It'll work. But anybody has failures when you're in a wood. Sure. So. That's, a, Actually, that's years ago. I saw a video of a guy doing an outdoor handrail around a pool. And the beginning of the project, he dropped the handrail material in the pool mm -hmm. and let it soak <laughs> so he could cold bend it, you mm -hmm. know, in form. You can do a lot. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be magic. It, it's possible. You know, well, the other, the yeah, other, I was say, Kyle, the other thing you and that I that I I knew and it was really fun to do 
is using that spoke shave to shape wood is very therapeutic. It's really relaxing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Draw knife and spoke shave work is is nice. It's nice to do, and then and you can get, really get lost into it. It's, you can get into that Zen woodworking sort, yep. of, sort of uh, vibe. So definitely. Well, listen, uh, tell us a little bit uh, before we let you go about your instructors this semester and your fellow students. So did the students that you start with uh, finish all the way through? They did. All all, um, all 10 of us finished. One finished. Oh, fantastic. One of us finished a semester early. His name is uh, Justin Gernosh, and he's now uh -huh. working. He, he's teaching classes at the Needham um, maker shop in Needham, Massachusetts, just south of Boston a little bit. Oh, mm -hmm. cool. And he's making custom furniture for clients and he's really happy. And, uh, he finished early cause he was just a wizard. He could just knock stuff out. I think he made probably five chairs in the three semester. He was here plus did it, did all the other stuff that he had to do. So, um, they all, we all finished. Some of us finished by the, the skin of our teeth. Um, got their got their their last case got their case piece approved, you know, the day before graduation. Um, <laughs> we we all finished, and um, I I I don't. Sometimes I think I'm just flat out lucky. I had so for two years I had Matt Wade. For two years I had Dan Fay. I had Lance Patterson. I for the last year I had two years I had Jamie Pope, who's a really good instructor. Um, I had Ryan Messier for a year, and then what they decided is, um, I think we were complaining there wasn't enough instructors to go around, so we had two TAs. So we had Aiden Fitzpatrick and Emily Goff, and uh, and then when we had substitutes, we had Mike Deverbus and others come in, and they were just excellent. So I, the instructor, the instruction is top shelf. Um, their curriculum is getting better and better all the time. I'd be surprised if they don't make it. So the first two semesters are more, um, instead of giving you some free reign to do a little bit the first two semesters, I'd be su surprised if they don't make it a little more structured so that you can get through pieces faster and everybody's working on the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They'll always, I, I don't see North Bennett always making it so structured that it's going to be, you know, everybody has to do a blue chair. I mean, it's always going to be maybe the same Windsor chair, but then you have your option on what kind of finish you're going to use. Um, they may, you know, in some of the changes they made was I was there was this splayed leg table where the ape, you, you know, they may, they may make that one where you do a, a specific splayed leg table. Right now, the only spec we had is the apron and the legs had to be splayed and you had to use the techniques to make splayed legs without using mathematics, use their techniques. And, um, but you know, one you know, one person made a hall table. I made a plant stand. Another person um, made a coffee table. We all, all ten of us made something different. Um, I foresee that maybe getting a little more structured in the future because if you can get all your requirements done in two years or in two semesters, that gives you three semesters to start working on projects you want. If you want to do more veneering, more marquetry, more inlay, then that gives you more projects to do that. I think the goal would be to help you get through those those required projects faster and they could do that by structuring it a little bit more so mm -hmm. less less freedom on the front end to provide more freedom on the back end yeah a huge, you have the skills to actually pursue uh those things that you really want to do yeah and, and each each student was encouraged to sit down and write down it's, it's a little hard you know if you're 19 years old what techniques do you want to learn in woodworking well you know i don't know what the techniques are for me i was pre-warned by 
you know, people have actually been on the show, like Aspen Golan, um, that, hey, this is, you know, if you come with some ideas on what you want to learn, put those goals down, the instructors will help you achieve those goals. And so yeah, that's the really cool thing about it. Yeah. And so after after in the, at the end of the second semester, I was able to sit down with the department head, Dan Faya. And I said, this is the here's my list of goals. What could we pursue? And so a lot of the like I, I really wanted to improve my carving. And so I carved those three panels on the blanket chest. Uh, I used the Peter Follinsby kind of type method. And that's how I carved that. Um, some of my goals were automatically going to be at North Bennett. I wanted to make a jointed chair. Um, there's not too many woodworkers out there that make jointed chairs anymore without, you know, without screws in them. And we mm. were able to do that by using wedge tenons. And um, so that was one of my goals. Um, the clock and the Windsor chair were part of my goals. So a lot of my goals, I already they kind of had workshops that already went along with those. But a lot of people's goals were to do marketing, so they brought in Paula Gabardino to teach mar a marketry class, and she's she's wonderful. Well, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Sounds like you got your, definitely got your money's worth, and it seems like an ex a lifetime experience that is going to be beneficial for years and years. Yeah, the school's, uh -huh. the school's pretty open, and we have people come yeah. through all the time, and, and a lot of times people would ask me, is it worth the money? I says, I, you know... I've had some great years, so I can't say this is the best two years of my life, but it, it's right up there with the best two years, whatever those two years are. So it's 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 really oh, that's great. Been really yeah. wonderful. And living in, living in Boston, I I love the city, I love the people, I love the history here. It's it's yeah. all been wonderful. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so what are your plans for the future now that you're you're now a graduate of North Bennett Street School? Well, I'm going to stay here. I've got a you know I've got that class with Mark Adams. I have a class. Mm -hmm. Albert. I have a class at uh, Anderson Ranch in September with Miguel Gomez Ibanez, the former president of North Bennett Street School. He's teaching a design and cabinetry class at um, Anderson Ranch, and I'm taking that. But what I'm going to do is the first thing is I'm going to take a little bit of break from woodworking, but I've got a set of cabinets in my living room that need to be built. And I've got a cabinet in the in a bathroom that in a master bath um wet room that needs to be built so those will probably be the first things i'm going to do and in in my off time i'm going to get my get a business set up and i'll do commission furniture i'll, I'll you know what i'm going to do like all crafts people do i i took a an accounting class from the furniture uh furniture society not too long ago and they had each person describe how they you know what they were doing in the craft and you could tell that anybody that's in woodworking has a plethora of revenue streams so one would be i'm teaching another one would be i'm making furniture another one would be i'm making smalls that i sell to galleries so i'm probably gonna end up following that same thing i had you know like this this wall clock i made i'm working on putting a procedure together so if i don't make one for three months i have this procedure written down and i can go back and make another wall clock i was thinking the plant stand that i did that was in last year's exhibit uh, i've already had people that have asked to have me reproduce that and, and make that one. So there's some smalls that I can do there that are relatively easy. I don't know what commission work will come by. I got to get my name out there. But my colleagues who that have that are working now in the industry that have graduated in the last year, they're um, one is the accounting class has all told us, you know, if your first year is a wash and you make nothing, just plan on that happening and you'll still be successful. 
it's about the third year that you start doing well. And so be prepared for the last two years. And so since I'm retired, I, I'm not too worried about putting food on the table. I don't have a mortgage to pay. So, you know, I just need to, I just need my craft to, to pay for itself for a while. And then it would be nice if it augmented my retirement income. So I could live yeah. and live the life in the style my wife wants to live. <laughs> right. Whatever that as a, means. As a furniture maker, that's a, all a furniture maker. <laughs> Budget neutral. Okay. That's kind of the goals. Yeah, and I tell everybody that I say if you if you see me walking walking out to downtown Boise, rolling out of town and selling spoons off the towels, people walk by, then you know my goals didn't pan out. <laughs> You're still woodworking for a living, man. That's all right. Yeah. If living I ever the make dream. Boise, living the I'm dream. Gonna, I'm gonna look for that guy. That guy selling spoons on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, well, we'll definitely check in with you to see how that is going. So for sure, look, give me, a, give me a year. Uh, I'll give, oh, I'll give gosh. you a year. I'll give you a year. But we're used to having you on like every, you know, three, four months. So you know, well, give me, Boy, a, give I, me a call and we'll see if there's a to report. <laughs> If I say, hey, I'm bagging groceries at Albertsons, then you'll know. Report. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It would it'd just be good to check in on you as you as you go forward. You know, doesn't have yeah. to be all that complicated. Exactly. Well, let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices. So I'll start us off. I'm drinking the Art Car IPA by St. Arnold's, which is a local Houston brewery. And they're known as the Texas oldest craft brewery. So I don't know if that's uh, that's uh, true or not, but hey, you know, you never can tell. <laughs> and uh, it's about 7% alcohol, so it's not too bad. And uh, then I'm chasing that with, uh, you know, um, Sean's favorite beer, Miller Lite. So yeah, anyway. there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a pint of that and went, okay, if I need another beer, I got some Miller Lite here. Always so, uh, can have Miller Lite. It's always there. Exactly. So, uh, Mark, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Boulevard Tank 7. Ah, nice. A, an American Saison. Saison. Tasty <laughs> beer, and I will probably follow that up with a Boulevard Wheat. <laughs> nice. How about you, Brian? Uh, I'm in uh, Rex's honor here. I'm drinking a beer out of Massachusetts. Uh, it's called Sap, which is an American IPA by Treehouse Brewing. Um, it supposedly has Chinook and Simcoe hops, which are supposed I, to be fancy, apparently. I can or smell we, that by the description. Yeah. Are we, na- are we are we naming our hops now? I have to look up and see. Well, oh no, that those are established. Sure. Yeah, those are like there's like No, seven... no, I mean like do we need to tell people what the hop profile Oh, I mean if it says I don't, you know, I honestly I don't know what dogfish uses in theirs, but when there is Chinook is Chinook is a good one. Um a gal uh, it's not Galaxy. There's another one that's got like a star name. That's a mild I you know pale you know hop. But anyway, go on. Go on, Brian. <laughs> it says here we are excited that you were holding Treehouse Brewing Company's Chinook and Simcoe hop-filled American IPA. There you go. So it they make a big good. deal. That is it's actually very good. It's it's not as hoppy as you would think. I mean, it's definitely got right some some hop taste to it, but um, it's not hazy. I That's like the it. cool the cool thing about the different hops, and not that we not we, we're we're not a beer show, but like when when you start, and I've read up just a little bit about them the different flavor profiles of what is hops when you see th- when you hear ipa you think oh god it tastes like pine trees and it's this mm-hmm. but not all hops taste like that and right. so mm-hmm. you can get ones that are more citrusy mm-hmm. and like softer citra. and citra yeah citra yeah, um and cascade 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's only like Brian. I think you said I think there's seven major types of hops. I think that are that. used. I actually have a hop- yeah. I have a beer I, set that you know, like the little way to tell your beer glass from somebody else's is the name of the hops on the front, and I ah uh, the set of six, I think. Yeah. So the, the combination or use thereof is it kind of dictates the taste. And um, some use a, entirely one type, and some use others for different purposes. I mean, yeah. So in this case, yeah. Sim, Simcoe could. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, Sean, what are you drinking? So I, uh, I think it was last time we recorded. Somebody mentioned yeah, one twenty. Yeah, you took my uh, suggestion. I, I I, I followed your lead, man. I found a four pack, and this is the second I've drank because it's a kind of a heavy hitter. But uh, the the dogfish one twenty with that's aged in the Utopia barrels. Mm -hmm. It is a it's a sipper. Yep, it's um might give you a headache the next morning. Um, <laughs> but uh hope you sleep uh, that night and you'll sleep you'll sleep well you might not rest well but you'll sleep well, well um yeah. and there's there's all that but uh yeah that that um it's a it's a pricey four pack yes but, it is yes but um it it's i mean if you're into that kind of thing i i suggest you try it it has a different thing my wife hates the the barrel age stuff because she hates that boozy air to mm. those age things but she liked this. Like she likes, she likes 120 naturally. Yeah. Um. And so this was like she's well, like, it was, oh, it's, it was it's kind of beer barrels anyway. It's just a right. Beer, but Utopia know? is different, and but it yeah. it is. It's like boozy but sweet. Yeah. And so it's not like so like wow, oh that is like booze. Like you know, you're 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 tasting bourbon. You're like flat out. It's it's not as bad, but it's still a still a slow sipper. It's lasting me over an hour. That's pretty good. <laughs> so. Not bad. So Rex, how about you, man? Now that you're a, uh, a graduate, you know this is like party through your hat in the air. You get to drink all the shit yeah. that you can find. Right? So, right? you, you going for the cherry, Doctor Pepper? This <laughs> I am. I am drinking just water. Well oh. done, sir. Hydration is important. I I will tell you this. Um, I, I I really have no intention of being Boston's number one proponent, but uh, Boston has great tasting water, believe it or not. I I, mm. oh. I thought coming to the big city it was going to be you know just filtered crap, but uh, it's really good water. Does it taste like tea? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to just centuries <laughs> old tea, so dirty water, <laughs> old, old brown tea taste. No, no, it's, uh, it's it's really good. I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It's really good water. Yeah, oh, very good. I'm trying to get off the Dr. Pepper. Oh, you're, you're That's okay. A good choice. Boy, I was mainlining that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 something else. Well, speaking of that, Rex. So, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Rex Hansen on Instagram. Just R E X H A N S E N. Yes, and it's a great follow. So give Rex a uh, a follow there. So, Mark, where can folks find you? Uh, well, you can find a video every week and on my YouTube channel at the Joint Effort, uh, or you can subscribe to my newsletter at JointEffort.net and uh, and get a notification about the new videos each week. How about you, Brian? Uh, Instagram is where you can find me at Obst Woodworks, and Obst is just O B S T. Kyle, how about you? Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at martin.kyle or bbcustomtools, bbcustomtools.com, or on YouTube under bbcustomtools or Kyle Barton. Sean, what about yourself? Uh, per usual, you can find me at seanw78 on most social medias. Fantastic. And do we have any reviews this week? We do. Uh, 
we got some reviews on our episode with David Duyard when in Australia is episode 454 55 for those of you who are keeping track. Um, Trep turning says how ironic lost and found smiley emoji or laughing emoji. (laughs) So I'm guessing that's referring to the lost trades fair, but I don't know the found. And Nick found, uh, okay. Yeah. There was a picture. Yeah. The picture I put on the graphic was of him and Nick found and, uh, David's wife. So yeah. At lost art at the uh, lost trades fair. Yeah. So these people on the internet are smart. They're just, they're really smart. (laughs) So way to go. Uh, S S I B C C H. Is there a way to pronounce that? That it's, uh, nope. Word. Okay. Well, they say, David mentioned scholarships from his local build guild. What's the name of that and where can one apply? And so David responded to him and said, is the Berkshire Woodworkers Guild and the scholarship info is on the website. So search Berkshire Woodworkers Guild. And uh, if you're looking for a scholarship, you can apply for one there. And uh, thanks to everybody else who posted um, the, the podcast graphic on their stories. It really is cool to see them being shared around. So uh, keep doing that. It helps people find out about the show and uh, keep leaving your comments. We love to read them. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.